Hello and welcome to the latest Forster's Northern Law podcast. I'm Miriam Sticklands, a knowledge development lawyer in the commercial real estate team, and I'm joined today by Ben Barrison and Dean Monk, who are respectively a partner and senior associate in our property litigation team. Ben and Dean have joined me today to talk about the somewhat thorny issue of squatters. Um, so, Dean, can you kick us off by just going back to basis and explaining exactly what squatters are? Yeah, of course. So squatters and trespassers are interchangeable terms which fundamentally mean the same thing, which is people who occupy land or property without right. And we tend to get sort of different categories of squatter. Uh, you get those who have political motivations, um, such as those who saw a few years back with Occupy London. Uh, more recently, the fracking protesters. Um, from personal experience, I once dealt with some uh, self-titled anarchists protesting outside a supermax prison, and the the sole aim uh, was to was the abolition of prisons. So they wanted prisons to be abolished, and then for all the criminals to be let loose. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> small demands. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> and then you tend to get those with uh, commercial motives, so those sort of taking over industrial warehouses and then running illegal raves or selling tickets to go inside, and then once you're inside, you know, drugs, drinks, whatever it is you want. Um, and then you get those who just want somewhere to live, so travellers, for example. Uh, but as I'm sure we'll touch upon in a bit, um, regardless of what sort of category of, of squatter you are or what your motivations are, um, the legal process for getting rid of them is, is the same. So what are the type of properties that they tend to target? So typically any land or property which isn't residential, uh, because residential land and property has special protections attached to it. So they might occupy open spaces. So if we go back to the Occupy London example, they took over St Paul's and Finsbury Square. Um, with the fracking, it's you know it could be a, a greenfield site in the middle of nowhere. However, the preference seems to be self-contained commercial units that they can break into and then fortify to stop other people kicking them out very easily. So as a landowner, if I'm concerned about a vacant unit um, and a potential threat from squatters, what sort of preemptive measures can I take to try and discourage them from, from coming in, breaking into my unit? So a fairly recent development are legal guardians, so they are essentially professional squatters. You enter into a contract with them, they go and squat in the property and try and keep other people out. And then, in theory, at the end of the you know, contractual period or when you want them gone, they will leave voluntarily. Um, then you have more traditional methods, so 24-7 security, perhaps a man patrolling with a canine unit. You can have steel shutters over the doors and windows to stop people breaking in in the first place. If you are talking about a greenfield site, then you can put up concrete blocks or bollards to stop cars other vehicles coming onto the land. You can have fancy alarm systems, but uh, quite often, you know, by the time you respond to the alarm and get to the premises, they've already broken in, so not always the best option. But yeah, I mean, there are a variety of measures that are available to you. So Ben, why can't you just chuck them off your land or out of your property? Well, simply occupying somebody else's commercial property isn't of itself a criminal offence. So you have to take them to court and obtain a court order to have them removed. That's different to residential property where since 2012 squatting has been a criminal offence. The police don't get involved primarily unless there's some sort of other crime being committed at the time they're on the land because they regard it as a matter of civil law. Okay. You own the land, 
they shouldn't be on the land. Um, the other the other point is is it is it a good use of police resources? Yeah. Unless there's some sort of associated breach of the peace. So, in what circumstances will the police get involved where the squatting is on commercial premises? Well, for commercial properties, you you really, as I just said, you really got to be looking at some sort of other criminal offence being commissioned at the time. So, for example, have they caused a serious amount of damage when entering the property such that it's obvious to the police that criminal damage has been effected? Are they causing damage while they're in the property? Again, you're going to need the police to see something pretty serious. Primarily, if you get a court order compelling them to leave and they don't leave, the police can get involved and arrest them on the spot then. So at that stage, the police will come on board and assist your enforcement agents. Other criminal offences? Stealing from the property? Do you have evidence of what they've stolen and how? You know, the police will turn up. They want to write up a report before pressing charges. That's not going to get the squatters straight off your land. Yeah. Um, Other examples, fly tipping, not obeying a noise abatement notice, or using utilities like electricity or gas. Again, this isn't the police turning up, picking someone off your property and removing them. They're all quite procedural points until you get your court order. In practical terms, what sort of steps should I take if there are squatters on my land, Dean? So you can try and contact the police, but as Ben just said, um, unlikely to be helpful. Um, I think the first thing you should be doing really is notifying your insurer, because first and foremost, it might invalidate your policy if you don't. Uh, Secondly, they might want control over the process or the professional team involved. They might want to also approve sort of the fees you're suggesting in advance. Once you've done that, then you should be sending people to the site to go and sort of do a recce and and find out who's there. If possible, try and get their names because if you get their names, then you can add them into the proceedings and try and get an adverse costs order against them, which quite often uh, deters them from sort of pursuing the legal route or defending the proceedings. Uh, You want to find out how they broke in take photos of sort of any damage they've caused whilst breaking in, um, generally take photos of the premises and try and find out what it is they're actually doing there, um, whether they're you know, holding raves or um, doing other such nefarious activities because once you have details of what, what it is they're doing, you can start the legal action against them. And so then how sort of quickly, how swiftly can you actually move to get an order to, to remove them, Ben? Um, it depends on what the squatters are doing which court process you use invariably most claims will go via the county court which is the standard route that can take between two to eight weeks an alternative to the straightforward county court route would be an interim possession order that can get you an immediate order for possession against them but then you have another hearing to come back to find out whether that order was granted correctly and involves the landowner giving an undertaking to the court to make good any losses suffered by those removed if it turns out they shouldn't be removed so that's quite often a tactical consideration that you look at and think well actually my client's the landowner here why would I sign them up to liability when we can just wait and get our order without exposing them to that you get them out via the high court route very quickly indeed if you've got seriously aggravating circumstances I think very quickly indeed could be a matter of hours in the right situation. Invariably, we tend to advise clients that three to four days is quite a realistic time scale, given that you've got to serve papers and you've got to line up enforcement agents. So to get get on in the high court, you have to show that there are substantial problems happening at the property. So what you might have is a substantial risk of harm to people, so threatening or abusive behaviour, 
Squatters throwing bricks at security staff would be a classic example of that. Threats made to people turning up to the property to inspect it. Okay. Substantial risk of harm to the property. So have you got evidence that they've seriously damaged the doors going in? What can you see through any windows that stuff's being ripped out? Another point on people is, is the property in a condition where people should be in there at all? So if it's a derelict site, is there actually a risk to the squatters? That can be used against them to yeah. get them out that it's unsafe for them. Other activities, fly tipping, that's very much top of the list at the moment. There is a practice or note from the court saying if the squatters are fly tipping, you can come on in the High Court and I think provided you can show you own the land and what they're up to, you get your order very quickly. Another aggravating offence on the premises may well relate to the location of the premises and whether trespassers and squatters being there could actually give rise to a wider breach of the peace. So, for example, if they're in a prominent retail location okay. uh, or they're near a school, you might well say that that's an aggravating factor because you might have people spilling in and out of the premises. It may be completely inappropriate for the premises to be occupied by squatters near a school. So there's a whole load of factors, and I think as Dean said earlier, the key really is to gather as much information as you possibly can as soon as you can. Okay. Once you've got all that information um, and you're going to court, what do you what do you actually need to prove at court? In the most simple terms, that you own the land and that they don't. So you have to have your documents supporting the fact that you own the land and most critically that you're the party that's immediately entitled to possession so say you're the freeholder and you have a lessee the lessee is the party who would be entitled to possession against the squatters so that could be a complicating factor the term squatters rights that really goes back to the criminal law act which prevents you from evicting them without a court order they don't actually have the rights at law they're just protected from the violence that you might otherwise use and so you mentioned sort of tenants there i mean we were talking earlier about kind of preemptive um steps that you can take the scenario where your tenant goes into insolvency particularly springs to mind as a point at which your property might be sort of quite vulnerable yeah if you get a notice up saying this is no longer occupied because we've gone bust that can be a classic scenario where the squatters go in at that stage if the lease still subsists you can call on the insolvency practitioner and seek to rely on their insurance to get the squatters out because they they are still responsible for the property um sometimes if a tenant's gone into liquidation and they disclaim the lease, you have to wait for the disclaimer to expire and then take action as the landlord because at that stage you're legally entitled to possession. So there are these kind of pinch points at which you really want to kind of focus on, you know, the the fact that potentially squatters might come into your property. Perhaps I suppose the other one is where you're where the property's up for sale, yeah. um, possibly with vacant possession. Yeah, absolutely. Squatters do sort of scan the internet and you know, place like Zoopla and they're looking for places to let or places that generally become vacant and they've got a whole network of spies and they're quite savvy at finding out where these premises are available. So going back to the order for possession, if you manage to get one, um, who can then actually execute that order? So it needs to be someone who's got authorisation from the High Court, so an enforcement agent or or more colloquially known as a bailiff. I always think it's very good to get them on board as early as you can so they can carry out that sort of early inspection recce we were talking about earlier. They can provide strategic advice throughout the process, but then also when it comes to the eviction, they are very good at knowing you know, who they need to go and do the eviction, what size team, what skills they need to have. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was kicking out some illegal ravers from a premises, and it was their idea to send in an abseiling team because the squatters potentially had access onto the roof so they could be up there 
throwing missiles or making a nuisance of themselves. And they went up there and they saw a, a line of ready-made Molotov cocktails waiting to be thrown. So in hindsight, it was a good decision Yeah, what they're doing. And would the police sort of get involved at that stage? If there's likely to be a breach of the peace, they will. Uh, but if it is sort of a self-contained commercial unit, then they'll usually leave you to it. Uh, but it's always good to notify the police in advance just to give them the option of being there if they want to be. So would you quite often ask the um, enforcement officers to be the ones who are kind of involved from the start gathering the evidence that you need to go to court? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. They'd go along, take photos, have a chat with the squatters. Um, sometimes maybe they can uh, convince them to leave voluntarily if they've you know, let them know that court proceedings have started or you know, quite often the enforcement agents have almost a working relationship with the squatters because they know all the groups sort of, you know, in, in London or wherever it be um, quite well and they've kicked them out on multiple occasions so it might be, you know, they can strike up a conversation and, yeah. and advise on you know, what's yeah. best to do. I think, it, I think it's worth just pointing out when we're talking about kicking out and appointing agents and earlier said that the Criminal Law Act, you can't use violence... What the enforcement officers actually do by way of getting into the property is they will break through the barricades that the squatters have put up to gain access, but they won't use physical force themselves to forcibly pick up and remove the squatters. Um, Once you have your high court warrant to enforce, it becomes a criminal offence for the squatter to obstruct them. executing that warrant so they may if they think they're going to need to use force they'll invariably get the police involved because at that stage whilst you have your fairly handy looking bailiff they turn around to the policeman and say I've asked this person to leave I'm executing a warrant at which point the policeman offers to arrest the person and they move fairly quickly okay so it's 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 not a sort of smash down the door pick them up throw them out these guys are (laughs) they, they they operate within the Full, full ambit of the law yeah. but the, the sort of so-called violence will be to break through the adaptations made to the building okay yeah no, that's right I mean they can defend themselves but stop short of that but in reality it doesn't sound like squatters usually put up much of a fight because they are professional and they know that once they get that sort of knock on the door it's it's time to go yeah, yeah. and so if they've caused damage to the property um is my insurance cover likely to cover that and the legal costs that i've incurred in getting them out it should do um it would be always worth checking your policy terms make sure you're covered you usually get the cost of the damage plus the legals covered by most most property insurance policies that said, always worth looking at. Yeah. Look at your policy every year. Make sure you don't have caps on the legal costs because if it is something very complicated, you might end up having to pay some of those yourself. But this is this is the kind of risk you have insurance in place for. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to attempt fate, but I've not had a, a client whose claim has been turned down yet, including one from last year where they had clean-up costs of it was one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand pounds where. Uh, travellers were on the site and they'd been disposing of waste for local builders um, paying by the, the dumper truck load. Um, and yeah, very hefty clean-up costs, but thankfully yeah. the insurer picked up the tab. So, yeah, very important to get a good policy and, and then check it and get them on board. So if memory serves me correctly, uh, and it may not, um, it, I think there was a government consultation last year on the topic. Um, is there likely to be any reform of the law in this area, Dean? Uh, you are absolutely correct, but I think the answer is no. It's not going to happen any time <laughs> soon, mostly because of what's going on with Brexit. Uh, so the government issued their response uh, February 2019, 
uh, with a whole host of recommendations, uh, albeit a lot of those recommendations were targeted at travellers rather than sort of commercial commercial squatters, uh, and the recommendations were largely giving greater rights to the police and the local authority, but I suppose the important point is if they don't give the police and the, the local authorities the resources, you know, the money, the extra manpower to, to implement those recommendations, then... And that's all they are, really, stronger yeah. powers without actually being being used. Um, but now, as I say, because of Brexit, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but we live in hope. Okay. As with many things. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Thanks very much both for joining me today, Ben and Dean. And if listeners would like further information on Forsters, you can head over to our website, forsters.co.uk. Follow us on all the usual social media channels, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And you can also follow this podcast on SoundCloud or your other usual podcast provider. And until next time, goodbye. Forster's Northern Law podcast is for general information only and should not be considered to be professional advice. Forster's LLP accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct or consequential loss arising from the use of, reliance on or reference to this podcast. Forster's LLP makes no warranty or representation as to the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast. The Northern Law podcast and all copyright in it is the property of Forster's LLP and it should not be used, reproduced or quoted, whether in whole or part, without Forster's LLP's prior written consent.